0: Welcome to Raiders of the Lost podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. On this episode, we discuss No Time to Die. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. We're going to do a Tuesday bonus episode review on No Time to Die, which will be sponsor-free thanks to all of our patrons who have signed up and help pay the bills around here, so thanks so much. We had an amazing experience seeing No Time to Die at IMAX at their headquarters in Santa Monica. We got the early invite, and it was an incredible viewing experience in general because this film was shot for IMAX with a ton of IMAX footage. It's like watching like Dark Knight Rises or Interstellar. So tons of huge frame imagery. The cinematography was breathtaking. It was done by, um, what's his name? Hold on. Linus Sandgren, who did First Man in La La Land. This was directed by Kari Fukunaga. who's done Jane Eyre, Beast of No Nation, Maniac, that awesome show that Jonah Hill and Emma Stone were in. So I loved, loved, loved No Time to Die. Yeah, and it was shot on film as well, an IMAX film, so just the massive frame looks fantastic in an IMAX theater, and the sound is amazing. Hans Zimmer's score was perfect, and this this Bond movie, I think, I have to see it again, but I think it might be the best Daniel Craig Bond movie, I think it might be the best all-around Bond film. Because it, Skyfall, I love, but... This movie has a lot of romance to it and has a lot of emotional depth for the character that Skyfall didn't really have. Skyfall, you know, it was more of like he's trying to become Bond again. He lost his his sense of purpose, whereas this one, he is Bond, um, but he's lost the life that he's built outside of Jim, being James Bond, and he's, he's trying to get it back in, in a way. And this also brought a lot of the classical elements of, the Bond franchise, whether it be you know the supervillain on a secluded island with the th- a plot to end the world, and all the great romance and some fantastic music, and it's got some of the best action scenes in the entire Bond franchise. Not to mention they brought so many gadgets back. Yeah, but the it, gadgets. Yeah, if you compare it to Casino Royale and Skyfall, I think Skyfall is overall a masterpiece in filmmaking. And what I love so much about Skyfall is it's like the least Bond movie of the entire. Franchise of James Bond, whereas I think No Time to Die might be the best James Bond movie in terms of when you're talking about James Bond films and what they bring to it. They're equally good for different reasons, and and again, I love No Time to Die because of all the elements like that. And I think there are cons to the film as well, which we'll talk about for sure. It's not completely like not. It's not 100 on the tomato meter. I think it's pretty low. It's at 83 yes, percent on third tomatoes. Third place for Craig's movies, and then um. for the audience score. But my God, people are so critical. I read some of these reviews. People just go into movies ready to hate everything. Yeah, I read a review where someone said, Bond has way too much dialogue. He talks way too much in this. I'm like, what do you want him to not talk at all? It's a two-hour, 240-minute movie. He has to talk. And also, a lot of people weren't happy from the marketing and trailer. Having a new 007 played by Lashana Lynch, who I think she did a fantastic job as Nomi. She was really... She really held her own against Daniel Craig, and I was, surpri- I was surprised by how much I enjoyed her character. And But a lot of people, they thought this movie was going to be super woke. They thought it was going to be like, oh, they replaced Bond- 007 with a woman, like, F this movie. And and they also, I read so many reviews where people were unhappy with all the strong female characters and that they surround Bond with, and it's like, dude, grow up. Like, what the hell? If you watch the movie, they all have, like, every character is three-dimensional. They're all really fleshed out, and I really love Lashana Lynch's performance, opposite daniel craig because it's the first time and guys we're gonna spoil this movie we're going into spoilers and i mean this is, you can tell from the trailer bond is replaced in this he's not a double o anymore and he's replaced by lashana lynch's character she is the new double o and i think that was a really fascinating and new dynamic that we had never seen in a james bond movie where not only is he i mean in skyfall he's not he's like living off his own and he's not a double o but they've replaced him in this one and the dynamic they have of being rivals it's really playful it's really fun and it really added a new dynamic to the franchise yeah I love the competition element that goes on between them then eventually Nomi gives her gives him back the 007 tagline because as he says to her it's just a number you can keep it and then to her, she says to him it's just a number so it doesn't really matter because that's all it is you know it's it's it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme yeah, of things. And and he proved himself to her. She saw how much how great of an agent who he was, how committed he was to getting the job done. And she he earned her respect over the film. Yeah, and I absolutely loved the first 20 minutes of this movie. As soon as the the lights dimmed and the credits started rolling and the MGM logo came into you heard frame. The strings? Oh my god. It was I was like, let's go. And the opening is great because we have uh Saffin and His storyline with Madeline, which which had never been done before, the opening scene is just the The villain's opening story. I really liked it in getting the young Madeline to establish their connection, but I would say that Safin's villain by Rami Malek, it's not his fault, but the writing is a bit underwhelming for the character of Safin because what exactly was his motivation for wanting to kill millions of people around the world? That wasn't too clearly put, and then also... He had this great opening scene, but then he kind of just disappears for the entire movie. They bring Blofeld back, played by Christoph Waltz a little bit, to be the villain like in the second act and a little bit further on. But then uh, Safin comes back into play later on in the film when he visits Madeline for that psychiatry session with her. And then he basically is the main villain for the rest of the third act of the film. Yeah, I would say Rami Malek was great. I love the character design, and I, the, I really like the concept of the character, but I think he needed more screen time. Because, like you said, opening scene, yeah, but then he doesn't show up until, like, an hour and a half into the film. But they did fix Blofeld. Like, I think that Christoph Waltz's scene in prison really made me accept the character a lot more than I did in Spectre. I think it was a nice, like, finishing touch flourish for that character, which they missed the mark on in the last film. And he did an excellent job in, in the one scene that he's physically in. But I think Rami Malek, as good as an actor he is... He definitely needed a little bit more of a backstory to really understand why what his motivations were. He he kind of explained it to us, but it also was a little bit like, I mean, I needed a little bit more for such a drastic um, mission to uh, uh, to encounter. Because he's an interesting villain. Yeah. I like the concept. I like the character design. I like the mask he wears and stuff like that. I love the concept, like the poison. I like the, the poisonous stuff. Really, really fascinating. But like, I want more of like, I want to know like, how did he aqu- acquire all this wealth? Is he like, what if he's like a pharmaceutical uh, inventor or something like that? Something to do with drugs. I want to know. I was more thinking about the him. same thing. Like, he has an island with all this infrastructure and all this stuff put in place. But like, how did he get his money from the, for that? Yeah, usually we get we usually get an explanation usually, or we can assume stuff. But and then also, I would say a con. I think. But I think what they were doing was tying up loose loose ends was killing all of Spectre in like one hit because I think they realized we made a mistake with what we did with Spectre in the last film with that organization because I think they tried to pull off what Mission Impossible did really well with the syndicate. I think they were trying to go with that same thing, a giant network around the world controlling all this these terrible acts of terrorism and the world in, in world domination plans. But I think what they did was that we're going to clean up Spectre. That didn't work out. Let's just take them all out. We'll have eventually end the film with one main villain with Safin. That was the... When that happened, I was like, okay, they're really correcting the mistakes of Spectre because that was... I hated that about Spectre because you've never seen that in a Bond film, and it felt so cheesy that Blofeld and Spectre was behind every single thing that happened in James Bond's life. I was like, when Christoph Waltz was saying that monologue, I was like, really? Come on. Mm. This is like kind of cheesy, like... It's like, how are the, all these events related? So I think that them cutting the ties with that was definitely what set this film apart from Spectre and made it a much better movie. But I love after the opening sequence with young Madeline and, and Safin, we have basically this love romance sequence, which I, I love the romance in this film. I love romance in, in Bond movies when they, when they do it right. And it's just beautifully shot and captured. A lot of it seems pretty realistic. Obviously, most of us aren't like honeymooning in Matera, Italy, on these beautiful. But he's a double O. He's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of cash. He's got some secret accounts. But I think like a lot of the scenes where the intimacy seemed real, like, you know, they're in bed cuddling and stuff like that, seems so real to me and, and relatable. And it was just beautiful to watch for like 10 minutes of them being together. And then the epic action sequence of him going to visit the grave of his past love. And then what Madeline wanted to do was really honorable where she understood that he still has feelings for her and and didn't forgive her for betraying him, but he wants, he, she wants him to let her go and to say goodbye and make peace with her. And that's where the explosion happens, where they were, uh, Blofeld was just waiting for Bond to come by sometime. And what it also enables is Bond feels like he was betrayed by Madeline. And now this action scene is so excellent. It was so much fun. Once it gets going, you're like, oh man, full tilt. And I was like, let's go. Yeah, for- I was like pumping my fist in the theater. Yeah, for real. Because first he gets attacked. Like he's on the bridge, and those two cars show up on either side and start driving towards him. It's I'm actually like, a car and a dirt bike. Oh, okay, sorry. But it's like, oh my God. And they're fired at him. And it's like, and then he jumps off the bridge. I was like, oh my God. This so awesome. There's no CGI. It's someone really... It's like real stunt work, and it's an excellent chase scene. And, but what's really great is that Bond f- feels betrayed by Madeline in this situation, and it drives his motivation for the entire film because... At, but first of all, I mean, before that... There's that great car sequence where he pulls out the machine guns on the on the front of his car and he starts like he shoots all the bad guys with his car but spinning around. But before that happens, when he gets picks Madeline up and they're on the chase, then they get surrounded by all the cars and they're just unloading bullets on them and he's not doing anything about it. He's just yeah. sitting there because he's like he's like, do I even want to continue with life when the the person who I thought loved me just betrayed me? Should I just let us both die? Yeah. And then he finds like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get out of this alive. Yeah. Such an amazing sequence. And then he puts her on a train and he's like, you're never gonna see me again. And the reason why he acted so drastically was because first Vesper betrayed him and then he thinks Madeline betrayed him. So that's why it hits him so hard is because the two people that he ever loved ended up betraying him. And so now he, I think that's what really drives him to be like, I'm never going to see you again. Get out of my life. And also, he's protecting her in the other s- side of it, where if she stays near him or with him, there's a chance that she'll be killed because they're going to keep coming after him. I think it's total rejection by him. But I think it's both. I think that's the main reason what you said. Yeah. But I think also like if you stay with me, you're going to die. He cut her loose. Yeah. This is, a, this is a rough breakup. It was tough. It was an emotional scene because yeah. then her running up the ter- up the trains just to keep looking at her and him yeah. through the windows. It's really emotional. Yeah, hard. it was. It's. I think it was a great opening. And this is the most emotional and vulnerable of a Bond we've ever seen in a film. Before. Yeah, and then it cuts to five years later and Bond seems to be kind of just living his own life. And then he's trying to be lured back into secret agent work by Felix with the CIA and that new character, Logan Ash. And then also he's getting in MI6's business in their nose with M played by Ray Fiennes. He's trying. It seems like at first M has some nefarious motives of what's going on, but, um, it's obviously because the plan that he had of designing this weapon was hijacked and turned into a massive... Weapon enormous, of mass destruction. We, yeah, weapon of mass destruction. And I love seeing Felix again. I think Jeffrey Wright, he definitely needed more screen time in the other movies. That was something they were always missing. It was great in, in casino royale, He's in yeah. a lot of... Yeah, it was excellent. But then you never really saw him too much except for a scene. He popped up here and there. Yeah, but this... I love the entire sequence, and I like how... Bond starts working for the CIA, and then he's a rival against um, the new 007 for capturing the scientists. And it's a great sequence in Cuba. We get to see Ana de Armas's character, such a scene stealer. She's she's so charming and fun, and she plays like a new secret agent that Felix has, um, basically uh, uh, his her pro, his protege. And she's just this is. She just finished training three weeks ago. It's her first big mission. That's what she says. And she's so excited. And she's like a little, like a kid in a candy store. She's so fun. Yeah, but then she like she messes people up. Like she's excellent. The, her fight sequence is great. She's great with the gun, and I think it was a lot of fun seeing her teamed up with Bond in this action scene. And what I love about her character is she brought something new in terms of there being like a new Bond girl, but also she's just like in and out. It's like it kind of seems like realistic. To like oh, you're just gonna work with this person for the day, and then yeah. you're never gonna see them again. But let's see that on a secret agent level. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But but she made so much out of every second of frame time she had in this film. But also, rather than the Bond girl being you know, a love interest or someone that Bond just sleeps with to help maybe connect him with someone he's trying to get a hold of, this Bond girl helps him on a mission. So I think that the approach to it was really great. Yeah, she's hysterical, yeah, too. She, super she's like awesome. so nervous and like chugged that martini. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I love the sequence when um they go into the, the wine cellar and she starts unbuttoning his pants. He's like, oh, you think we should, like, get to know each other first? And she's like, oh, no, I have a suit for you. But she's like, oh, she's she's no, she's like, no, 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 no. You're no. an old man. <laughs> get away from me, old man. <laughs> you can tell things like that are th- are um, elements that um, definitely Phoebe Waller-Bridge put into the into the screenplay. Think moments like that for yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a ton of Her great... kind of comedy. I laughed, like, maybe 12 times at this movie. There yeah. are a lot of great lines or moments that hit, especially, I think... when Q is going through the drawers at the end getting the mission (laughs) done, and there's the tea tea set I was like dying laughing you can tell it's Phoebe definitely put that in I was cracking up from from Q's house his apartment oh I loved Q this this is definitely the way Q dresses this is definitely Q's apartment this is definitely Q's cat I was like this is totally him he's making some really um, exquisite Japanese cuisine like obviously that's what he's cooking like it was a perfect character development for him like to see him in his home I'm like that's definitely Q the music he's got a date coming yeah. over. He's like, oh, he's gonna, he's be, gonna here, be here in 20 minutes. But oh well I'll help you guys out in your mission. He's like, can I just have one nice evening before the world ends? I love when he looks at his at the screen at the doorbell. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's James Bond. Yeah it's James and Money Penny. <laughs> like Money Penny I love, but oh James. <laughs> Can't stand that guy. This yeah this is very funny. It might be the funniest James Bond. It could be. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's, really, it's the most emotional <laughs> and funniest Bond. <laughs> but then that Cuba sequence is so much fun because Bond and 007, Nomi, they're going after the same scientist, and it's like this tug of war, and they they each take like someone takes he takes her from him, and she takes him back from him, and he eventually winds up with the scientist at the end. But it was really fun to see them like rivals battling to get control of the scientist. Yeah, and then it seems that Bond gets betrayed. Well, he does get betrayed again by Logan Ash, who we think is like. A good guy in the CIA, but he plays his cover so well because yeah. he's really working for Safin. We think he's like a, po- a political asset, not yeah. an actual agent. Even Felix is like, I'm oh, just gonna carry this it's guy around. like a around. Boy Scout. Yeah, basically. And he acts like that. He's like, oh, he's, oh, he's smiling too much because he's yeah. actually playing a great role of deceiving everybody. And he betrays Felix and Bond and takes the scientists for himself. For great Saffin. fight scene. Yeah. It, he shows that he's a real badass. I love the boat scene because to see Bond in like extreme mortal peril, we've seen it a bunch of times before, but I can't think of a crazy. One where he's been underwater like that, besides Casino Royale, where he dives in to save uh Vesper, But the really? Mortal Peril is always like a cheesy super villain. I got you strapped to this, I'm gonna kill you. But again another emotional scene where Felix dies and he has to say goodbye to his brother. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really another emotional moment from this film. Yeah, I, I did not see it coming at all. And it was it was actually tough to see Jeffrey Wright die because he loved that character so much. Yeah. And he and James, they we haven't even seen like they had so much of a history that we never saw in the films so you can imagine they've been through a lot together and, yeah you know it's, it's again this is a very emotional film for it being a Bond film and then Bond is back at MI5 MI6 MI6 mi 5 <laughs> was the first one my bad <laughs> and it's so it's just great once you hear the Bond theme and he drives the car into the city and he parks he just gets out he n- fixes his yeah. cuffling it's like Bond is back the new baby new Aston Martin because let's go his, his other Aston Martin that thing is shot nice. up that's a nice car it's pretty sick and um, so now he's not 007. They don't even say that like he's a 008. He's, he's not just, reinstated yet. Yeah, he's just there. Yeah, it's just it's actually uh, Nomi who wants him to be reinstated as 007 yeah, later on. Yeah, but they need his help because he knows about Logan Ash, and then because they need to talk to Blofeld about how did Blofeld manage to run a Spectre secret meeting in Cuba while he was in prison at MI Six, and then they end up discovering that he he had a bionic eye that was put into his into his socket that he was able to use to control that meeting and communicate with his agents of Spectre. And what's interesting was his plan was to kill James Bond at the Spectre meeting. But ironically, the scientist um, using, because he's under the control of Safin, we don't know yet. He reverse engineers, the virus that they were going to use Heracles, Heracles, the, the, um, the nanobite virus. And, they he reverse engineers it to kill all of the members of Spectre rather than James because so, yeah. so Blofeld's plan backfires completely. Yeah, so let's actually talk about Heracles for a moment, which is the main weapon of mass destruction. So MI six was developing it as a secret program to be they per, the perfect assassination tool, pretty much where it would be, you don't even have to be near the target that you're after because it it works by, by DNA and so it's nanobots that are harmless to anyone that doesn't have the DNA of the person they're trying to take out but what happens is when Stefan discovers what Her- Heracles is and he has Spectre steal it which is actually a great sequence like to see Spectre do that we have the gadgets of, of them like going down that elevator shaft that's with a the great magnets. sequence yeah it's really cool That's was awesome um, I love to see like the organizational tactical elements of Ves- of Spectre rather than just like secret meetings plus Primo is that or Cyclops is the new like vi- like head honcho villain was. he's pretty good yeah you, in the bomb movie you need that side villain who like It doesn't say much, but has a unique look, and he's just like a a tough guy for James Bond to take on physically. And so Heracles then becomes a weapon of mass destruction where they can engineer—first the scientist does it to take out Spectre for Saffron, and then they can engineer to take out millions and millions of people around the world— And again, the way it works is it's harmless to anyone whose DNA isn't in its target field, basically. Yeah, you can program it to be a certain target or a certain—we end up learning you can program it to take out a certain kind of race of people or to take out a certain—you know, it could be like take out anyone who has this blood type, stuff like that. You can specify it to take— specific groups of people out and And it could be in the billions but what MI6 wanted it to be is like you'd put it on somebody who's near or close to your target and then it's harmless to them but if they they touch that person they interact with your target they're gonna die immediately yeah and it's just physical touch you have to actually touch that person for the bots to transfer to the target so no one, you don't have to wear a mask. Yeah. So it's the opposite of COVID, which is airborne. So this yeah. is touchborne. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but also, it's very timely. Ironically, they made this before COVID happened. But it's pretty wild. It's very timely and relevant because there's a lot of like sanitation and, and masks and, and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And I and I love the uh, this. I really like the scene with Blofeld because first James re, um, sees Madeline for the first time in five years and. It's very awkward because Saffin needs Madeline to get close to Blofeld with the nan- with the Heracles on her to yeah, kill him. He want he w- he wants to take out Blofeld, the last member of Spectre, and Madeline's the only person he'll talk to. And Blofeld will only talk to Madeline as a psychiatrist. He refused anyone else in the past. I think because he did it intentionally because he knew Bond and her had a relationship. I think so. He's like, I only want to talk to Bond's ex, and that's it. So that's a way... Was there something, some connection between her father and Blofeld? Her father was Inspector. Okay, so that's yeah. also the connection as well, yeah, I'm sure. But, but I think he did it because maybe... It would meet, he was taunting Bond. Yeah, he exactly. probably wanted Bond to come see him. That's exactly... Yeah, that's why I think he did it. Yeah. So that makes total sense. But then it's a great scene where Bond and Blofeld reunite, you know, the Foster brothers. And it's a great sequence. I think Christoph Waltz's character redeemed himself and it's a much better interpretation of the character but then bond accidentally kills him because unbeknownst to him madeline had her her heracles inside of her bloodstream and when 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 james grabbed her wrist he she transferred it over to him and then when james grabbed Blofeld, he accidentally transferred the heracles into Blofeld, killing him die (laughs) that was great just die but i would say that another con to this film is some things were predictable like you predict i could you could predict that bond was gonna do that because oh it's on his hands they keep showing his hand like out in the open he's obviously gonna touch Blofeld and kill Blofeld. so you knew it was coming so things like that were a little predictable but it's okay yeah it's a bond movie it's gonna be okay i don't have to write a terrible review about that i still loved every minute of this film exactly i mean sounds like you hated it (laughs) (laughs) clearly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um. All right. What happened next? Where we? What are we moving on to? Then uh, we move. Fuck. <laughs> Hold on. We only saw it once. <laughs> oh, well, then basically the island. So him. Ha- no, so Norway first. Okay. Which Norway? Oh yeah, the Norway sequence. Yeah. So what happens is Madeline, um, she goes back to Norway to her childhood home, and she gave James that hint that she was going home. So then James travels to Norway. Meanwhile. Uh, Nomi, the, the new 00, is going after Logan Ash, trying to find him. And she does manage to locate him. And she finds out that he's in Norway too because Logan Ash and, and Safin's crew are going after James and Madeline. And James re- reunites with Madeline and finds out that Madeline has a daughter who has the same gorgeous blue eyes as Daniel Craig. Yeah, his <laughs> eyes are gorgeous. They're very blue. <laughs> they're blue as F. Although she says, it's not your child, it's not yours. But Danny Craig, I mean, he's I mean, like, come J- on. James is like, that's he plays too- coy. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, that's definitely my kid. Yeah, that's come def- on. It's got to be. Look, look at that. That's that's definitely mine. And it's like James Bond has a kid. That's crazy. I love how they're changing the character. They're evolving the character. I think that's these are things that people don't like about this movie. And it's like, like, he, he's in love with a woman, and he quit being a double O, and he has a kid, like, he's a family man now, like, this isn't my, not my James Bond, not my, I did not vote for this James <laughs> not Bond. Not my 007. Yeah, It's like O7. He's got blonde hair, like, that was enough. <laughs> come on, guys, it's like, things need to evolve, storytelling has to change, we can't keep doing the same old James Bond over and over again. Yeah, but also, let's talk about why Madeline would keep this a secret from Bond and tell him that it's not his daughter, probably because of the betrayal that she felt from the first time he left her. He doesn't want her in and out of her daughter's life to hurt her daughter as well and be like, hey, this is your dad, and he's going to leave in a couple weeks anyways. Yeah. And also, maybe she's also could be trying to protect her her daughter in case that anyone else finds out that it's James Bond's daughter or— yeah, in case more people come after them, and yeah, I think just protection overall. Yeah, definitely from the from the five year betrayal. You nailed it, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Your sarcasm just really lights my light up. But then we find out, thanks to 007, that Logan Ash and the crew are going are like right outside, coming after them. This is a great mon- yeah. I mean, action sequence. Yeah, and this is it's an excellent chase scene, and where um, luckily Madeline has a a, a big Toyota to off road. And this off road chase is excellent. Yeah, and there is some great. Great stunts in this where James has just taken out Range Rover after Range Rover. It's excellent. Big Range Rover ad placement yeah, for yeah, sure. They they paid it for a lot. I didn't realize yeah. they were that great off road. They must be. they because they're, they're high off the ground. They were originally off road SUVs. You they, know, if they you think must. About yeah, it, because yeah. but then they the turned luxury. Company. They they turned luxury, but I guess they're yeah. both now. Yeah, and I'm sure that, that that crew souped them up for that purpose. But it's it's, it's sick. a great sequence. And then I love the uh, in the woods with uh, and like all the ferns around them and the trees and they're you hiding. Ferns. <laughs> the ferns are beautiful. <laughs> There's some great forests in Massachusetts that have tons of ferns. Burns. They're lovely. It's <laughs> great scenery, very photogenic and colorful and green. Oh, okay, back to no, but, but it looked great with the mist and the fog involved, and well, and they're and they're hiding out, and, and then James is just going by, taking out all the members of the crew that are coming. I love them. when he takes out Logan Ash, and he just he like throws the car onto him. He doesn't throw it, but like the car is is uh, tilted against the tree, and the tree is falling down slowly, and Logan Ash is injured on the ground. And then James is like just puts his weight onto the car and helps push it onto him and crushes him. It was like, oh my God, that was awesome. Yeah, Logan Ash ended up being a good character. Yeah. And congrats on Billy Magnuson, who I love in Game Night, for landing a Bond movie. Yeah. That's sick. Like, yeah. good for him. And he was also in Aladdin as that weird prince yeah, who yeah. tries to get with um Jasmine. I think he did an awesome job in this movie. Yeah, All he, the he newcomers did, did great. LaShawn Lynch did great. Obviously, Anna de Armas is a scene stealer. So lots of great casting going on. Yeah, exactly. And then, but when James goes back to Madeline and, and, the, and his daughter... He finds out that Safin already took her on a helicopter and they're flying away. Yeah, and then the island sequences where they're gearing up. Again, we have Q on the helicopter, and this is, is like fun. This is like classic James Bond, like secret island where the headquarters of the supervillain is. It's like this is like what Skyfall didn't have. Yeah, it, it might be a little cheesy to some people, but that's why I love it. That's yeah. It's old school James that's, Bond. It's James Bond like how to. It's like the steps of a James Bond movie. And then we finally get a lot of staffing, which is what the film I think really needed. He came to like do that final taunt to Madeline with the mask to get her to... Go assassinate Blofeld, but I mean that was a great scene. I mean, Rami Malek's such a tremendous actor, and he's so good. But then third act is all Saffron, which Saffin. Saf, am I saying Saffron? Yeah. Sorry, Saffin. Which I, I I liked it a lot to see more of him, but it was a bit like overwhelming because you hadn't seen him for so long. But then it's like, oh, it's all it's the Saffin show now. Yeah. But that being said, I really I really liked the set. I really liked the idea of the Poison Garden. His family um, was a family of. Um, uh, Genius gardeners and they had this garden that was filled with like the most poisonous flowers and plants in the world that they kept and He still keeps them there and he develops his own toxins from them and I think I thought it was really fascinating And he seems to have some sort of is it is it Buddhist mentality or lifestyle definitely the way He dresses and yeah. the way he keeps his place, which is interesting to coincide with him being a mass murderer, but also he was um physically um disfigured disfigured from the, the, assassina- attack, the assassination attempt on his family because Specter killed his entire family. He was the lone survivor, and that's why he has a disfigured face. And they did it by poisoning their food, and yeah. it was actually Madeline's father who did it, which yeah. is why he went to go kill her in the opening of the film, and that was the secret that Madeline was keeping from James that he thought that she betrayed him, but really she just hadn't told her him the final secret of her life of that secret room inside that her childhood home. Where it shows all the evidence of her father being an agent for Spectre and trying to take out Saffin's entire family, and that left him disfigured and gave him the motivation to he went to kill Madeline, but then ended up sparing her life, which he points out ended up connecting them even more, but he eventually just wanted to kill her later on. And I actually I really do like the connective tissue to the first James Bond movie to this. Mm-hmm. Because I think that it really ties the entire Craig franchise together. Really tied the room together. It ties it like a bow. <laughs> but then the the invasion of the island is really excellent when double when the new double O James Bond and Nomi fly down and it, it's I love when Q's in their ear it's just like this is James Bond movie yeah them it's two great. together it was great action and uh, they did an awesome job and it seems super believable and they set the explosives and then we I mean when you see the movie you'll see what happens and but I love the the headquarters of how they're building this these poisonous toxins in that underwater lab with all the the laboratory people and and it's just really fascinating. The what he built, what Staffin built, but I think we needed a little bit more of it before yeah. this. And then Staffin has this this weird obsession with keeping the daughter for himself, and also James and. And in in, 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 uh, Nomi realized that they have to blow up this entire island because if it keeps going on with this mass production, it's just going to infect the entire world. It's a missile silo, the island. And the missiles are ready to launch with this toxin to spread across the, the entire globe. And at the same time, which is we never really got in a Bond film, is the international connection to what's going on with this island which is there's no no one has territory over this island and so but there are a lot of international interests in it and they're all in the same area so they're all like why is mi6 flying around this island and like launch. And why is their battleship or whatever those ship the missile ships are, is it getting closer to it? And mm-hmm. then M's Mallory's trying to deal with that whole aspect of it where he's like, James, we got to figure something out because everyone's <laughs> pissed at us right now. We got Russia's doing flybys on us. China's getting upset. So mm-hmm. we got to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And then um, the Madeline and, and the daughter eventually escape the clutches of the um, both Safin and the, the men guarding her. And then they reunite with Bond and then Bond manages with the help of, of Nomi to get them off the island and then Bond he uh, manages to close the missile silos no open the doors open open the missile silos which will which will allow the MI6 attack to actually reach the the inner workings of the structure Well, and, so at that point it's the yeah. UK yeah 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 the entire UK but then he um, encounters Safin who closes them and this is a really great scene with bond and safin where um safin shoots bond a couple of times but then bond manages to get the upper hand but safin manages to scratch him with the Her- heracles that he developed specifically for james bond and this is a great moment for madeline yeah for this um, is a, i'm getting to sorry. it sorry <laughs> jeez <laughs> you said you're a great moment okay. <laughs> and this is a great moment for bond because he realizes that this Heracles is designed for him and anyone, and if and Madeline and his daughter. So if he goes near his daughter and Madeline touches them at all, even one little kiss, it will kill them. Well, it's not designed for him. It's designed. It's Madeline's DNA. Yeah, that's what I meant. So, yeah. so it's that's why he calls it his. Uh, what's it? What's it called? When he's talking about his insurance policy because yeah. he was saving it for James Bond because he knew Bond would be the one to try to stop him in the end. So he smashes it on his face after Bond breaks his arm, and that's his insurance policy. Where even though Bond may have beaten him. He'll never be able to live a happy life because he'll never be able to ever again touch Madeline or his daughter. It's really tragic because James just found out he had a daughter. You know what I mean? And he never gets to be a father, which is really sad. Yeah, very it's, sad. Yeah, I'm getting emotional Emotion. right now. This is gonna get more emotional too because he because Saffron closed the, Saffron closed the doors, so now James has to go open this, them back up, and he has the nanobots inside of him. And it's really sad because he's talking to Q and he's like, "Is there nothing we can do?" Even though they talked about earlier in the film where once it's inside of you, you can never get it out. It's there forever. It's permanent. Yeah, they stressed that point twice. The Heracles and and he talks to Madeline one last time. It's really sad and then he goes up on the rooftop. he tells, he tells um, the UK to fire their missiles. Yeah, well yeah. he had already told them before yeah. so they were a minute away, 2 minutes away and James Bond dies saving the entire world which I loved because a lot of people they've mixed feelings about this moment because they want James Bond to live happily ever after with his family but what's something besides having a daughter and a family what's something James Bond has never done? He's never died saving the world, which just makes sense to do it now. Why not? He's never had that honor to he saved the world every movie, but to actually die doing it gives it so much more meaning. Yeah, it takes away like that Mike Myers element where he always is alive for the next mission. So I think it was such a great choice to actually kill James Bond. It had never been done before. And it was really emotional. I was crying. I never thought I would cry at a James Bond movie, but I did. I, I cried was weeping. Too. I was trying I was like, Am I about to cry? Here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes it was such a great moment. Um, He just stands. He climbs to the roof and he looks up. He's just like, I'm effing James Bond. (laughs) He just stares up at the missiles. And Hans Zimmer's music is really, really tragic and really emotional. And it just – everything explodes. And it was like, oh, my God. I can't believe that happened. And also when he's talking to Madeline right before – that's when, you know – he, he reveals, like, I know that's my daughter, and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in the world because you made it, yeah. and it's it's really touching. Oh, man, so sad. It's, it's really sad. It's Yeah, this never happened in a James Bond movie. To be. Lea sadu is so good in this movie, too. Yeah, she's great. She's an excellent actor. And then, you know, um, the MI6 crew, they have one last scotch to to uh, honor James Bond's memory, and, you know, it's it's, it's a great movie. It's and super emotional. Madeline drives off with her daughter in the yeah. Aston Martin. And game. she says the famous line, Bond James Bond James Bond oh man what a what a movie it's so good um I'm, I'm sure you've seen it if you're watching this and you're at this point with all these spoilers and I hope you had as an amazing time as we did watching this in theaters because all you can only see it in theaters which is how you should be watching a James Bond movie for the first time yeah and this movie I think they it was really surprising the the choices they made and it just worked it was fun it was funny Great, great action! I didn't want it to end, even though it was two yeah. hours and forty minutes. Yeah, it was Daniel Craig's best performance as Bond for sure. The emotional payoff, the stakes, the villain ended up being pretty, pretty solid. And I think that this movie really was just incredible. What was your favorite part of the film? The, my favorite part, I would say, it had to. It's probably that opening action sequence. Yeah. With, within in Matera, that's epic. That that was fantastic. But I also loved the stairwell. Sequence, oh, the stairwell. Yeah. When he's he has to get to the top of the building at the island to, to open the doors. And he goes through like 30 dudes going up the stairwell with grenades and everything. It is incredible. It's a long take. It's like two minutes long, intense action. And they must have prepped this for weeks and weeks in, in advance because the choreography was choreography was phenomenal yeah and like was, when he flips excellent. primo over yeah. those stairs that's really that guy i was like he oh must, man he must be a stunt actor they usually do that like dave batista didn't have any lines but he's a great stunt man so they yeah. used him for the last one but man it was it was pretty epic yeah it was it was a great sequence and it was that same like true detective that fukunaga did that long take with matthew mcconaughey yeah. it's, it's like so great to see that yeah. in a bond movie fukunaga knocked this film out of the park um that's my line sorry oh yeah I forgot about <laughs> that. that's your new line but uh what's next that's what people keep asking us after they've seen the that's film that's the thing it's like just let let this be over first it. of all let's like, let yeah, everyone's let, already asking let this the new brew. James Bond and they haven't even seen let this, this one brew it's the same thing with venom all anyone cared about was the post credit scene yeah like, let's relax just enjoy the movie watch it again enjoy it let's not worry about too much who's going to be next i think they'll probably just do a complete reboot it's yeah. going to be the same thing with with what they did with judy dench i mean she was there for Pierce Brosnan then Daniel Craig and what they do they made it seem like Pierce Brosnan's bond didn't ever exist so that's probably what I'm guessing they'll do they'll probably keep like Mallory around maybe Norm, yeah. Naomi Harris says money as, penny will be there uh, yeah mon- yeah money penny so Shauna Lynch will be back I guarantee maybe. you that whole crew will be back I think Ben Wishell will still be a Q and they'll just have a new bond and like like Daniel Craig's bond never existed and yeah. that's how that's how they usually do it so that's how I'm figuring they'll do it yeah and I mean there's no rush. This just ended. I think that maybe five years they might start pre-production or something. It'll but be sooner than that. I don't know. they get to give it some time. Not in this landscape. They need, That's true. They need movies like so and, fast. And, dude. and Amazon does own MGM I now. guarantee you they'll pick the Bond mid-next Tomorrow. year. No, they're <laughs> saying they'll announce it next year. And then 2023, pre they'll be in production. Oh, man. It's so soon. They're already announcing it no, in like but then six 20, months. I guarantee 2024 we'll probably have the next Bond movie. Yeah. Yeah, probably. The earliest. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's twenty. It's three years away. Yeah, you're right. Everyone needs to relax, be patient. Just watch, watch this, this one. one. Have a Daniel Craig marathon. Have some fun, and it's just an amazing ending and chapter for for the for Daniel Craig's Bond. And what a send off. He's probably the best send off you could think of. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's gonna be hard to top this one in the future. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, everybody. We hope you enjoyed Bond as much as we did. No Time to Die it was such a, an amazing time. Thanks for our patrons for making this episode sponsor-free. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast today. And see you all on Thursday. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.